Welcome to the Federal Executive Forum Series on Federal News Network, proudly celebrating 16 years. Here's your host, Luke McCormack. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. I'm Luke McCormack. During today's show, we will discuss continuous diagnostic monitoring and mitigation with government and industry leaders. With me on the show today are Richard Grabowski, Acting CDM Program Manager at the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency Department of Homeland Security. Jeremy Hyland, Chief Information Security Officer and Privacy Officer at the Office of Comptroller and Currency Department of Treasury. Gary Stevens, Executive Director of Information Security Policy and Strategy Department of Veterans Affairs. Matthew Marsden, Vice President, Technical Account Management Public Sector at Tanium. John Fangie, Chief Technology Officer at Federal Micro Focus, and Bruce Hembry, Field Chief Technology Officer at Cortex, a division of Palo Alto Networks. Uh, well, the CDM program has been around just about a decade, and quite frankly, Richard, you've been there for a lot of that, doing a lot of the heavy lifting internally there. We're going to start with you to give us sort of a, a top-line state of the state regarding the program, and congratulations on, on, on uh, the acting role there. Thanks, Luke. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, I've been around since uh, 2014 in the program. Um, you know, started in the architecture, been working on that for a while, and I kind of stepped into acting. Um, yeah, and in, in, in 2021, it's been it's been a very busy year. Um, obviously, the uh, the Solar Winds events had a lot to do with that. Um, we're doing exciting things in in the scope of, of dashboard and data analytics. Um, we're very excited about how that that positions us um, over the next you know 12 to 15 months. So. We're really, we're looking forward to working with our industry partners and our agencies to uh, move that initiative forward as we try to collaborate in a partnership model with agencies on risk and, and effective defense, uh, an effective defense model. Uh, really key, you can collect, 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 uh, but if you're not rolling that up crisply and cleanly into some sort of a, an environment where you can make good decisions, rapid decisions, we've learned quickly how that can become quite a gap. So. Uh, Thank you for all the work that you're doing in that area. Jeremy, how about over at uh, the Office of Comptroller and Currency? Why don't you, uh, for the audience, tell everyone what the OCC does and then how you all are doing on the CDM program and how that's helping. Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, so the, the OCC, we're an independent regulatory agency, uh, part of the, the uh, Treasury Department. Uh, our mission is to oversee the nation's banking uh, uh, system. So very important mission, uh, kind of a, a not always uh, super high profile, but always around, you know, over 100 years uh, uh, around, again, providing uh, supervision for the banking system. So obviously to, to that end, we, we end up collecting a lot of sensitive information. So cybersecurity is extremely important for the agency. Uh, and we, we've been, uh, we've actually had some great success with CDM, right? Uh, we were an early adopter. Uh, CDM has provided mm -hmm. us really great capability to get to cyber tools and expertise to implement those tools. Uh, really foundational for what we have now at a, a, you know, coming, I've actually only been at the OCC for a year, but it was amazing to come into an organization that was very mature with regard to cyber operations. And a lot of that maturity is due to the, the great access they've had to tools and expertise through CDM over the years. So uh, definitely a big proponent of the program. Uh, we've leveraged it uh, again. You know, if I think about all the different operational capabilities we have, the vast majority of them grew out of our, our use of CDM uh, over the, the past years. Yeah, no question that uh, you, you put these metering devices on these environments and all of a sudden things light up like a Christmas tree. And it's like, wow, where did all that come from? 
uh, and then you're busy sort of cleaning that up. Where are you all on that sort of journey of, uh, I'm sure you're m way past that at this point in regards to just um, um, uh, the level of maturity with the CDM program into the DEFEND program, et cetera. Yeah, it, you know, <laughs> it's funny you say that because I, I was gonna save that for some of the lessons learned, right? But uh, that's okay. Just, it, <laughs> day, uh, just cleaning your data, right? And, and it's one thing to deploy the tools, uh, it's very much another to clean up your data in such a way that it's very actionable. And we're still on that journey. Um, that's actually one of the things that we're working on now and plan to uh, in the future. A lot of success over the last two years in particular. Uh, once we had everything kind of set up, then it becomes that that next step of making sure that the data that you're getting is is correlated properly and tied to your asset management program, right? And then tied into the various different uh, like non-cyber sides of the world, right? Like uh, the, I think, again, we're just trying to break down those silos. We can be really good at cyber monitoring, but if I'm not providing that data over to like our the operational team on the, the just more of the IT side with regard to configuration management, asset management, uh, software inventory, right? All of the things that uh, feed into having a clear picture of what's on your network at all times, then we're not taking full advantage of the uh, the program. So that's, that's kind of where we are right now from a maturity model, trying yeah, to make sure. Like, that, yeah. You know, you're kind of halfway through that journey, right? You've collected the data. Now you're really looking at it, trying to find out the most efficient way to use it. And that's fantastic. So I really do appreciate that. Matt, how about at Tanium? Uh, you all have been there since uh, 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 probably just about the beginning, uh, involved with a lot of these different uh, aspects of, of uh, the CDM program, along with all these other uh, activities that are going on across departments and agencies and the private sector, by the way. Tell us about what's happening at Tanium. Tanium supporting agencies today on all of the challenges that Richard and Jeremy both described. Uh, data analytics, collection, smoothing the data, making sure that we can dashboard the data appropriately is certainly a big concern for the agencies that we support. Uh, making sure that we break down the silos and allow for information sharing across different functional teams, making sure that asset information is clearly communicated to security teams, making sure that security teams can clearly communicate vulnerability and configuration compliance information back to the operations folks. Uh, just making sure that clear cross-functional communication is enabled and ultimately working through the logical data models, making sure that the data that's sent up is deconflicted, uh, completely smoothed out and able to be used in the analytics that the dashboard team needs most. Yeah, you know, you've really, again, seeing this level of maturity about we're not just wrestling, you know, earlier on in these conversations, it would all be about, you know, getting the, 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 the instrumentation in place, collecting the data. Now we're really focusing on processing the data, acting on the data, et cetera. John, how about at MicroFocus? So, so where do you fit into this program? And um, uh, give us a state of the state about what you're seeing. So as one of the largest software providers to the federal government with products operational in more than 300 agencies, we have a very deep and broad and long experience across the CDM spectrum, um, even before there was a CDM program. And what we see is a wide variety of agencies uh, experience and capabilities. There's very sophisticated agencies um, who are spot on, uh, but a lot of agencies are, um, if you will, kind of uh, working hard and fast, but not quite there. Um, and ultimately we're excited about the, the prospect of agencies um, being able to tap into uh, as a service capabilities, whether it's from DOJ, SOC as a service, or things that GSA uh, orchestrates uh, from a procurement standpoint, or even as we've seen recently in RFIs, um, uh, major civilian agencies reaching out to uh, MSSPs to ask, what can you do for us? 
Uh, it's exciting because we see the, the federal government has a lot of great answers, but increasingly um, we're happy that they're looking to private enterprise to deliver, if you will, a, a full suite solution set of capabilities uh, to deliver you know, better, faster, cheaper. Right, and take some of those issues off the table so they can really sort of work up the value chain there. And uh, I'll uh, certainly be asking Richard about the uh, SOC as a service that DOJ's implementing. I think that's great, right? There's a sort of another example, internal example, but uh, uh, where you can just uh, acquire these uh, this capability and, uh, and bump your maturity up very significantly and very quickly. Bruce, how about at Palo Alto? You all are right smack in the middle of the ecosystem across the board. What are you seeing there in regards to the CDM program and how you all fit into that? The evolution of CDM has been an important component for us. We wanna make sure that we are providing the correct telemetry that you, need, that you all need to be able to leverage that data that we're generating. We're providing the components that are the, the firewalling, the cloud components, the automation components. They're all the genetics, I guess, if you will, inside of CDM. We're trying to make sure that we are providing data that is actionable and that it makes sense in, uh, in the context for where you're using it. If you don't have good telemetry, if you don't have good operational data about a specific user using a specific application in a specific way at a specific time of day from a specific location, each of those things all contributes to a, a good holistic picture of security inside of a network. And that's what we're trying to do is make sure that that happens efficiently at scale. Right. Uh, you know, the ability to have this fine grained instrumentation, certainly critical. And, and, and as we talked before, and, and then being able to process it and, and make it actionable, also very uh, critical. Uh, Matt, how about Atanium? I want to ask you about a specific program that you'd like to highlight uh, that uh, that Tanium is is in the middle of that perhaps the the customers are asking you about uh, that we can just raise awareness to the community here. Yeah, right now, what's top of mind for everybody and where we've really dug in with agencies is on the Zero Trust Initiative, uh, working on the mandates that have been uh, published in the recent executive order, helping customers and agencies and organizations move toward a more mature Zero Trust implementation. That's really been uh, an area of focus for us. We we provide. Uh, extensible and, and high fidelity data about the endpoint, but that's one component of a, of a zero trust implementation. So helping to guide uh, and, and work with customers on selecting the right tools, doing the right implementation, ensuring that it's a lasting and durable solution that's being put into place and helping to line up funding in order to make all that happen. That's, that's really what's been top of mind for us. And I think we've seen a lot of success with agencies making leaps forward over the last couple of months in that area. It's such a uh, perhaps daunting task, right? Uh, Zero Trust, we actually did a specific program on that and uh, you know, sort of emphasizing the architecture in Zero Trust architecture. And that's a journey uh, that uh, has multiple components and pieces to it. Richard, um, let's talk about a specific program uh, that you'd like to highlight. Zero Trust uh, on board, I understand that uh, uh, OMB has put a draft out there now to, to sort of double tap on some of the uh, definition, et cetera. Um, give us a, a specific example or specific uh, a setup that you'd like to discuss in regards to the CDM program. So a couple of things. Um, I want to talk a little bit about what we've been doing and how it's kind of manifested in success stories. So we don't talk a lot about small micro agencies a lot, but we do actually have a pretty robust shared service platform that we operate on behalf of small micro agencies. Um, someone had mentioned the EO, right? One of the things in the EO is about critical software, I think section four. 
Um, the tooling that we provided, some of these smaller micro agencies were in, uh, put into play almost immediately to identify and classify software to help them with those kind of policy drivers that are in that section four of the EO. Um, so those, that's a clear example of tracing investments and in tools for small micro agencies to actually get to some of the mandates and requirements of an EO. So that's a good success story for us in terms of where, what we've done. Um, in terms of where we're going and what we're focusing on, a lot of it's again, is in the EO. Um, some of that's also traceable to the American Rescue Plan funding that we got um, over the past six months. So we're heavily focused on things like endpoint detection response, you know, filling that critical gap and advancing the uh, protective profile on the endpoints. Um, and then we've been actually doing a lot of policy work via the, the uh, MOAs, right? So the MOAs for the program are actually explicitly mentioned in the EO. And we've been uh, down, uh, really getting all those signed with the agencies. So um, those are the major things that we've been at. And actually on the MOA thing, you know, some good news there. We're, we're extremely successful. We were able to get uh, more MOAs signed in three months than we had done in the past previous three years. So it kind of shows you, um, you know, the power of the EO, of course, but also the trust and, and the cooperativeness between us and the agencies that we look to leverage going forward as we make additional investments um, in technologies. No question. Don't underestimate uh, the, that 10 years of trust that you all have built up. MOA, just uh, uh, for the audience, um, uh, explain what that does once that's signed. And also, uh, curious, you said there's a lot of micro agencies out there. Roughly how many? Depends on the day you ask, right? So, um, but is there 10, 100, 1,000? Yeah, yeah. So the MOA is, well, let me, let me give a background there it's just for the audience. So it's an agreement, a legal agreement that we make with agencies when they come to participate with the program. It kind of defines terms and rules, how you know, the behaviors and the responsibilities on each party. Um, the new MOA is important because previously we had some limitations on the side on what we could do uh, relative to the program, the data. Uh, the new MOA is a little bit more expansive. They give us a little bit more abilities to be more proactive in risk identification. Um, and to the agency's credits, they've been fully cooperative in uh, signing those, sending them over, discussing how we're going to work together in this new this new future that we're in. Um, to answer your question, we generally are talking about 23 CFO Act agencies and more or less about um, another uh, 89 or so, um, um, 79 or so uh, non-CFO acts. So those are more small and micro ones. But... Mm -hmm. So you really do have your hands full there with a lot of different activity. And the EO has certainly put some juice on it. Recent activity is a lot of juice on it. So I think the timing is, is very much perfect. Uh, Bruce, how about at Palo Alto? Can you give us an example of a specific program that you'd like to highlight for us? You know, we had to walk the walk before we could talk the talk on zero trust. There you and... go. It was a journey of three years for us to become zero trust from top to bottom, side to side. And it's not easy. It's the kind of thing that takes time, dedication, and a lot of analysis that was not trivial. Making sure that we are able to do it at scale was, a, was another challenge. We want to make sure that it becomes something that's tenable. Without it, without that careful attention to detail, it simply is not something that's easily, I won't, I won't, even then it's not easy, but it's not simple to put it together. And zero trust internally at Palo Alto has meant that it, for even for things like solar winds and other stuff that we were able to detect it very quickly and make sure that it didn't become an issue. That is something that I think that would absolutely be, should be highlighted. It's a, we, we pulled it off and we made it work. Uh, not only walking the walk and talking the talk, but uh, uh, certainly I'm sure you'll have a lot of lessons learned there. We'll save that for another round of uh, questions. Uh, Gary, how about at Veterans Affairs? Can you give us a uh, sort of a state of the state progress uh, that you all are making there? Massive agency, a lot of moving parts. <clears throat> I'm sure that's uh, uh, quite the challenge trying to roll something like this out. 
Yeah, for uh, for CDM, we've been obviously involved in that program for since inception when uh, Mark Meeninger at the time <clears throat> was the uh, lead for it. And uh, so we've been able to really see a, a massive evolution in how we've been able to incorporate CDM technologies to provide uh, uh, better visibility, uh, endpoint monitoring, visibility, detection, response, <clears throat> the whole litany of things that uh, are within that realm of CDM. Um, using the various tools. I mean, we obviously have an uh, in-depth partnership with Palo Alto and the things that are happening on the Zingbox side with enhancing our understanding of the uh, IOMT environment and the IOT, which is just actually, we just completed about three months ahead of schedule so that we have visibility in total across all the VAMCs, uh, the VA medical centers uh, for uh, those medical devices and are getting enhanced metrics in that, in that realm. Um, I'd say what we're really focused on <clears throat> from a CDM standpoint is looking at holistically how to CDM be, get incorporated into the larger ISCM program, right? So that all the pieces are, are married up and are in harmony and, and, uh, and that there's a enhanced integration across the board. Because, um, you know, if you don't do those critical steps, then <clears throat> collecting a lot of logs, collecting a lot of information, but nobody's using that information holistically, and then it hasn't been integrated as well. So you can get little pockets of response, but not an integrated response. And that's what, uh, so there's a lot of effort to ensure that we are integrated, that we are in, uh, integrating those logs under within the Splunk tool and our SIM capability there, so that we have a unified and integrated response. <clears throat> so those have been some of the major pushes that we're doing on the CDM side right now. And as I mentioned a little bit with the Zingbox implementation, incorporating that information as well. Because, um, you know, we have about 1.6 million endpoints, um, a lot to monitor and, and uh, detect. So, um, so it's, it's, it's essential that we get in front of that scenario and, and have that unified response. We have yeah, really, it sounds like just, just a structure and a framework that you can snap mm -hmm. all these things into. Absolutely. And get the most efficient use out of that is, is critical. Well, fantastic. Appreciate that. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. Palo Alto Networks is proud to announce the industry's first 5G native security solution for the federal government built to secure highly distributed cloud native 5G networks. 5G networks enable new enterprise use cases, allowing for industrial-scale lot networks with ultra-low latency, mission-critical reliability, and a high degree of mobility. For more information, go to paloaltonetworks.com and search 5G. When the ground shifts, you need to be ready. With MicroFocus, U.S. agencies are able to secure what matters most while staying compliant under continuous diagnostics and mitigation program CDM mandate. To help with CDM, MicroFocus has developed a new risk service that extends our zero-trust architecture to provide a new adaptive identity intelligence approach, enabling agencies to dynamically adapt and prioritize risks. Centralizing risk management as a service helps agencies respond to mission-critical events faster and protect on what matters most. Learn more at microfocusgov.com. Never trust, always verify. That's the essence of zero trust security. But to be effective, agencies need to validate more than just their users. Tanium can help you validate devices too. With Tanium's comprehensive endpoint visibility and control, you can collect real-time data to authenticate devices within zero trust models. This will help close vulnerabilities, improve cyber hygiene, and raise the barrier to entry into your network. Tanium is the ideal partner for your zero trust journey. Visit Tanium.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. We're talking about 
CDM, we were talking specifically about uh, various projects and programs and wanted to talk about a specific program. John, I'm going to ask you, uh, tell us about a specific program you'd like to highlight there that MicroFocus is right in the middle of. Yeah, so we're in the middle of quite a few, but if I had to pick one, um, in civilian at least, it would be our work at U.S. Commerce and Census around Enterprise ICAM. Many of the, if you will, legacy ICAM identity access management and privilege access management capabilities that the federal agencies have had are now end of lifing, and we're very excited that uh, we've been chosen by a number of these agencies to replace uh, legacy products. Um, it's exciting because we've got uh, one of the more sophisticated capabilities products in that uh, in that IAM area, and uh, commerce is a very uh, interesting, large, and challenging agency, and we're proud to be a part of their solution. Oh, fantastic! And you want to tell us what that product is? That's okay to do that. Uh, NetIQ is MicroFocus IAM product. And it provides end-to-end -end coverage for all seven of seven executive order technology capabilities as it relates to identity access management. Jeremy, how about over at OCC? You want to give us an example of a specific program? I know there's lots of pieces and parts when you're putting this CDM capability together. And it sounds like you guys are, are well uh, along on your journey. Give us an example of a specific program you'd like to highlight. Yeah, no, it is uh, it is hard to pick just one. There's been so much good stuff going on. I'd say that uh, for me personally, it's something that I'm really excited about over the last year, um, through CDM, we were able to get access to Red Seal as a network mapping capability. Mm -hmm. And then we were able to deploy that in uh, on top of all the vulnerability data and all the, the data in our seam that we were already collecting through CDM. And now we can actually map out vulnerabilities from a likelihood and exploitation standpoint on our network. And we use that pretty uh, pretty regularly to do vulnerability assessment and on new vulnerabilities. So that's just an example of how you have, once you have all this data, you can now start overlaying different technical capabilities on top of it to get much more actionable information out of the, uh, the overall system. So that, that's one example. Uh, we're, we're also doing a lot with just account management, uh, identity management, seem uh, uh, just a ton of work with Splunk trying to operationalize that data. So just a lot going on there. Gary, uh, first of all, I always like to, to, to ask uh, when we have the, the Veterans Affairs on here, uh, tell the audience how large the Veterans Affairs is. I think that's really important. You talked about those centers and then give us a specific program you'd like to highlight. So um, as, as you're well aware, uh, the VA is a massive healthcare provider within the, within the uh, United States and uh, serve over 20 million veterans, both from the health side, benefits side, and from the memorial services side. And, um, you know, we have in essence of about 1.6 million endpoints, as I mentioned earlier, as well as um, over, you know, 170 plus uh, VA medical centers. And then you have the C-Box beyond that with community-based uh, community out, um, outpatient clinics, so just a massive presence. And then we have uh, significant numbers of integrations with um, the universities and, and the national labs and, and you know, uh, just a massive presence. Um, one of the things I'd like to highlight specifically is one of the efforts that we're working right now that's uh, basically FISMA containerization. And what that really means is that we are... Um, as, as you're well aware, all the systems that operate within the federal government have to be um, certified and authorized to operate within those realms and, and risk have to be assessed against those uh, particular boundaries that constitute those systems. So 
there's been a massive push within the department to really refine under this, what we're calling FISMA containerization to ensure that we have all the various devices that constitute that particular boundary containerized so that as we send systems forward for authorization, that we have a full complement of all the, all the components, the risk inherent within those components so that we can ensure that the authorizing official is able to uh, understand the risk associated with that particular system and then accept it or, or um, you know, basically understand it, if you will, as part of that acceptance process. And so, you know, I'd like to kind of chime in on what Jeremy said as well. We've also got uh, some of those tools that, that he mentioned with Red Seal and the like, as well as with Splunk. And so there's been, this has really um, complemented some of the larger efforts that we have underway as well. What we're referring to is um, authorization 2.0 which is really looking holistically across the set of metrics that would be applicable for these particular systems, uh, um, developing some algorithms to help us identify category and catalog it from a risk perspective, and then provide that full complement of that risk perspective to the authorizing official as well. So it helps enrich their perspective as far as what exactly they're accepting. That is a, a litany of various individual data points associated with POAMs, associated uh, you know, vulnerability status and the whole series of things that get rolled up into a comprehensive metric. So those are some of the massive things that are uh, major things that we're working right now. Okay, we're going to roll over to priorities. Richard, and I'm going to start with you. I think about all the help you're getting, right? You're getting direction from the EO. You've got some new leadership there at CISA, undoubtedly getting some oversight uh, injections, we'll call them, and certainly all the departments and agencies saying, hey, here's what we need. Give us those your, your top priorities for this year uh, on the CDM program. So uh, first and foremost, obviously, we have to get the new technologies that we've built up in the VET dashboard up and running. Um, for, for the background on the audience here, we used to employ a different technology and tool for the dashboard platform, which is a kind of critical piece to the architecture. We traditionally have called it layer C and D of, of the stack. Um, recently, we've awarded and, and developed a new platform to replace it that's powered by the Elastic technology. Um, we are currently tracking to have about 50 of those up and running by the end of the month. Um, and a key priority is to get the operational, uh, operationalizing those at the rest of the agencies as well, uh, getting that data. So that's a key priority for us. We're also starting to offer that particular product or that particular part of the stack as a service. So we call it dashboard as a service. And this is a way that we can offer that same tool or platform through CISA, um, without requiring a lot of agency overhead for those that don't have the staff or the expertise to maintain them. So we're excited about that as well. Um, the other thing that we're, and I mentioned uh, EDR a little bit, but the other, the other things that we're doing that are relative to the EO is that object level visibility, right? So with the new MOAs, we're able to get object level data for SIS operators. So that's a priority for us. So we're going to re retool the architecture to support that new capability. And then finally, we're going to go after the mobile space. So um, traditionally, tradition, we have not addressed uh, mobile devices as part of our HWAM capability. So uh, a priority for us is start to include some of that uh, mobile device telemetry into our data sets. Matt, how about at Tanium? Uh, give us uh, your, the top couple of priorities that you all are working on. What's a demand signal coming in these days? I think Richard and Gary have both highlighted the, the significant priorities for all the agencies that we support. Certainly uh, wrapping the arms around asset management and and finalizing all of the efforts that are in place just to do basic hardware and software asset inventory, getting that information to the dashboard and instrumented in a way that it can be evaluated and, and risk decisions can appropriately be made. But now agencies are really moving into the, the defend capabilities and working on 
understanding exactly what detection and response looks like for the enterprise. So understanding how to invest in and implement tooling for their uh, security operation centers, making sure that they've got teams that are educated on things like proactive hunt missions and how to do enterprise level scalable response. Um, those are the things that, that our agency partners are working on today. So we're just working on enablement and tooling and making sure that we can put the right data in the right hands of the right person at the right time. Jeremy, how about at uh, OCC? Sounds like you got a lot of spinning parts over there. What are the top priorities for you this year? Yeah, really, with regard to CDM, the two things really stand out. One, uh, dashboard as a service. We're uh, very excited about that. When, when I was asked about it, uh, it took me about one second to reply, yes, we want to be a partner as soon as possible. Nice. I love yeah, it. We, we were uh, we were in there uh, amongst one of the partner agencies to, to roll that out. As a small agency, anytime we can move to an as-a-service approach, that's that's basically our, our strategy. Uh, those are, uh, you know, take advantage of, of managed services provided to us by, by others. We, we do that in a lot of different areas in IT, and this was a great opportunity to, to take advantage of that managed dashboard capability. So we're, we're excited about moving that direction. Uh, the other thing is, as we talked about other, uh, previously, just operationalizing the data, right? So you've got all this data, hardware, software, the information. I want to be able to move that out to other teams that are actually doing the, the asset management, right? So not just keeping it inside of cyber, but, but sharing that data with the rest of the IT organization and using it to make decisions. So that's, that's kind of where we're at the, for the next year. Bruce, how about at Palo Alto? Can you give us uh, an example of, uh, or, or give us a highlight of the uh, two or three priorities that uh, Palo Alto is focused on this year? This year is definitely focused on cloud stuff. It has been a remarkable delta from when COVID, COVID started. We were already the largest security company in the world, but our bandwidth internally has gone up 13 fold from COVID, people working from home, agencies being connected distally, all those things, it is a challenge to get that last mile done and get those, those workers that are at home getting their connectivity correct and getting it secured well, doing it gracefully, all those things are, are not easy to do. So when I saw that bandwidth, 13-fold, I would have never thought we could do that. But yeah, Prisma Cloud, Prisma Access, our VMs, all those things are all contributory to our solution that helps us get that information that these things like dashboard as a service or others may need to instrument and then ultimately be effective in defense. Gary, how about at Veterans Affairs? Uh, sounds like once again, you all also have a lot of moving parts going on over there. Give us Absolutely. the top priorities for, uh, for, for VA this year. Yeah, it's going to sound a little bit of a broken record here, but, um, you know, uh, I'm going to put this all in context. I would say that when we first started, everybody was in somewhat of a triage mode to, bet, to understand their endpoints, to uh, gain initial visibility and to integrate this information through, these, through the SIM deployments and that sort of thing. So fast forward to where we are today. We're still in the process of uh, operationalizing that those capabilities, but we're at a significant level of maturity beyond where we were before, as it sounds like a majority of the individuals on the phone are as well. So that's really where we're at, right, is that it's very surgical, where we've used GovCar type analysis to figure out where are gaps and seams and then be very surgical and we need this capability and not this capability because we already have it and then it can be part of an integrated whole then it's operationalizing workflows as well as information uh, so that we can better utilize it in an enhanced leadership decision-making at all various tiers. 
And then, um, you know, it's, it's, so it's, it's been really those types of things that I would say have been the predominant drivers on, on what we've been doing. And then, so, you know, it kind of goes back to what I was saying with the FISMA containerization effort, really, really re refining, enhancing visibility, enhancing our understanding of metrics and enhancing the, the understanding of the metrics and visibility at the various tiers that need the requisite information. You know, a system administrator needs this type of information. The leadership at the CIO levels needs this type of information. So it's really an effort, a massive push to really discern what is the appropriate information at each tier to support the decision-making that's required. But I would say, you know, we've been lucky because, you know, CISA, DHS have been fantastic partners to work with. Um, in helping us do this, the dashboard is the predominant, um, you know, effort that's that's being worked right there to really figure out how we get that dashboard up and operational and ensure that it becomes that authoritative source for the for the various data, um, and and you know ultimately possibly will supplant FISMA reporting in some instance, um, if if you know as we move down that path, but um, so you know we really have appreciated their their time and effort and engagement. John, how about a micro focus? Give us uh, the, the the priorities in regards to uh, what you all are working on to address this uh, ecosystem. Force multiplying automation. All of our R and D, by and large, has gone into SOAR and user and behavior analytics capabilities extensions mm -hmm. to our products. And when we talk with uh, CISAs and CIOs and federal as well as you know fortune 100 type companies they recognize that those are the most critical things because um, the the talent shortage in cybersecurity, as well as the realities of responding to a threat just demand greater faster more precise user entity behavior analytics and response automation and an and extension of that is um, continuous authentication which is you know the next level of multi-factor authentication which most agencies have now implemented, uh, but that continuous automation, sorry, continuous authentication is critical and we believe will be part of the next level of guidance from NIST, as well as um, other uh, organizations like OMB and, and executive order type directives. And, and, and no doubt a key part of the zero trust architecture. We're gonna roll over to lessons learned. Jeremy, I'm gonna start with you. Uh, you all are well along on your journey. No question, you've you've uh, you've learned a lot there. And I always like this question. Oftentimes, we don't get to get into it a whole a whole bunch. Uh, but give us the lessons learned that you'd like to impart some of that wisdom, if you will, some of that experience to the community about what you've discovered, what's working, what could you if you could do a do over, what would you do over? Yeah, no, I think uh, the, the first thing is really just leveraging the flexibility of the CDM program, right? There's a lot of options for access to tools and then also access to expertise. I think that's something that we've learned learned along the way that it's, you know, it's okay to ask for help and to go out and get expertise to help you integrate. That's been key to our success. Again, as a smaller agency, being able to leverage outside expertise uh, that, that's available on tap through that, uh, that vehicle has been really, really helpful for us. Uh, the other thing I'd want to emphasize is, uh, you know, it's that age old the adage of garbage in, garbage out with regard to data, right? Like the, at the end of the day, data quality is so important uh, for, the, for this whole effort, right? You don't want to be reporting up bad data. So just uh, we, we've had to spend a lot of time over the last several years on data quality and just making sure that uh, everything was mapped properly with regard to assets. And that's still a journey that we're on. We're, we're still actively working on making sure that the data quality is where we want it to be. 
so that the reporting is reflective of reality. So uh, we, we've actually been leveraging ex external expertise on that too, through the CDM contract vehicle to, to get the right people in who can help us look at the tools, make sure the tools are configured properly, and then do the, the right uh, correlation so that the data is where we want it to be. So yeah, data quality, data quality, data quality. That's uh, what I'd emphasize. Yeah, a real uh, key catch there. Uh, you're collecting a lot of data. You want to make sure it's uh, as of the quality that you need. You're going to be taking some serious action in regards to that data. So totally understand that. And interesting that you're able to pull those resources off the CDM contracts. So that's a good catch there for all the other departments and agencies that may want to do the same thing. All right, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. When the ground shifts, you need to be ready. With MicroFocus, U.S. agencies are able to secure what matters most while staying compliant under continuous diagnostics and mitigation program CDM mandate. To help with CDM, MicroFocus has developed a new risk service that extends our zero-trust architecture to provide a new adaptive identity intelligence approach, enabling agencies to dynamically adapt and prioritize risks. Centralizing risk management as a service helps agencies respond to mission-critical events faster and protect on what matters most. Learn more at microfocusgov.com. Palo Alto Networks is proud to announce the industry's first 5G native security solution for the federal government, built to secure highly distributed cloud-native 5G networks. 5G networks enable new enterprise use cases, allowing for industrial-scale lot networks with ultra-low latency, mission-critical reliability, and a high degree of mobility. For more information, go to paloaltonetworks.com and search 5G. Never trust, always verify. That's the essence of zero trust security. But to be effective, agencies need to validate more than just their users. Tanium can help you validate devices too. With Tanium's comprehensive endpoint visibility and control, you can collect real-time data to authenticate devices within zero trust models. This will help close vulnerabilities, improve cyber hygiene, and raise the barrier to entry into your network. Tanium is the ideal partner for your zero trust journey. Visit Tanium.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. We're talking about CDM. Specifically, we're talking about lessons learned. I'm going to throw it over to uh, Bruce, you at Palo Alto. No doubt you all have seen a lot of lessons learned as you've been with us on this journey. Uh, give us some of those highlights. You know, the lessons that we've learned have been all about humanity. It's about the, mm -hmm. the fallibility of humans and the scalability of humans. In our SOC internally at Palo Alto, we've only got nine people. And that's those nine people, they all live in the same time zone and they only work eight to five. Wait, that's nine, nine people, people in the SOC at Palo Alto? That's exactly correct. That's nine impressive. People. And they are, like I said, all in the same time zone. They only work eight to five. That's only possible with the efficient application of automation. Without it, we would have long since had some sort of major crisis. So that lesson learned was make sure that automation is, is a fundamental component of the security that you are building and the way that you respond to the things that you detect. Without it, you are going to suffer. Your people are, they're going to hate their lives. Nobody wants to deal with the low-level alerts or false positives, all that garbage that, that Jeremy was talking about earlier. That garbage is just no fun. And to become efficient, automation was key to, to defending ourselves. No doubt, uh, you know, when you're when you're looking at, uh, uh, you know, find trying to find a needle in a stack of needles, uh, really important. Uh, there's not enough manpower in the world to do that. So totally get that and really do appreciate that. 
pointing that out. Gary, how about at Veterans Affairs? Uh, you all have been, you're, you're deep into it at this point. Uh, give us a couple of the lessons learned as you're rolling this stuff out in mass scale. Yeah, I'd say that um, the lessons learned is that it really requires, you know, it, it's a teaming effort. Um, I think at, at inception of the CDM program, it was really all about what did the Office of Information Security need to do? And, you know, ops was a secondary consideration. But what we've done is, well, obviously we realize that that's not the case, that we need ops as part of our, you know, shoulder to shoulder implementation. And so what we've done is we've really made this a collaborative shared programmatic office that looks holistically at what we need to do from a CDM perspective and then does what, what, what needs to happen, right? Um, I'd also say that CDM is not, you know, a separate and distinct activity that can be that that needs that can be pursued independent of the larger ISCM strategy. It really is a holistic strategy that needs to be pursued across the entire enterprise. CDM is one facet of that, but then there's many facets of your larger ISCM program that you also have to consider. Um, and then I'd also say that it's all about the ability to operationalize the CDM program and then provide the visibility that, we, that I mentioned earlier to, to ensure that we have an understanding of, an, of our environment and then can make decisions based upon that understanding. And I, I would say that those really have been the lessons that we've learned over time. And again, uh, you know, if you look where we were and where we are today, we are far beyond, far, far more mature than we ever were eight years ago. No doubt, and uh, imparting some some great wisdom on the community. Really do appreciate that, John. How about a micro focus? Lessons learned. There's many, uh, but if I had to pick one, it would be enterprise DevSecOps processes and tools. What we find in larger agencies is that um, each major program uh, is deciding how and when they do CI/CD and with what tools, and that introduces a lot of unknown risks from a higher level CIO standpoint. And ultimately, you know, the, the best, uh, if you will, implementation of this that we've been a part of proudly uh, was at the Air Force, which uh, has uh, an amazing software factory. So what we've learned because of the, the solar winds and open source risks that federal agencies have now been exposed to and are aware of that uh, the enterprise level tools and processes are critical. Yeah, no doubt uh, the good old Kessel run and perhaps uh, Bruce was a part of that. Who knows? Uh, he might point that out. Richard, lessons learned you, as I said at the beginning of the program, you've been involved in this program, not quite from the beginning or perhaps from the beginning, but in the middle of a lot of heavy lifting over there. As you reflect back, lessons learned that you'd like to uh, uh, you know, communicate out there to the ecosystem. Yeah, the guests here have so many of them that I might take a little bit while to put some all of them. I'll start with the, the human element, right? Um, don't get overextended. I've learned this kind of firsthand. We, we get a sense from this partnership model that we're with agencies that there's always a emphasis to chase the next new thing, but we don't finish the things that we had started, right? Mm -hmm. um, so this kind of the chasing the, the next big thing is, has, can be problematic in some cases. So, you know, I would say focus and completing you know, manageable chunks of work and then moving on you know, deliberately as opposed to kind of spreading your, your finite resources, your, your human, your, your expertise too thin is a huge lessons learned. Um, I would also say in a good way to cut corners, right? Cut unnecessary corners. Um, Jeremy had mentioned SaaS models, right? What we're finding is that in agencies that adopt SaaS services, the, the time to deploy, the time to operate operationalization is much 
uh, more concise. Um, it doesn't take as long to build out infrastructure, to buy things, to physically deliver things. You can get off and running a lot faster. So I'm a huge proponent of that for, for a, lot of, a lot of reasons. Um, the other one that I wanna mention also is, is enterprise approaches. Um, when it comes to some of these agencies, especially the heavy feder heavily federated ones, um, there's this kind of silos of autonomy sometimes that are, that are tough to tackle. And so at some point you almost are doing 10 times the amount of work trying to get governance in place, trying to make decisions, trying to find strategies and integrate. Uh, if you're trying to integrate, for example, 10 different identity tools, much hard, larger uh, effort than, than doing one that applies to the enterprise as a whole. Um, so I would really kind of focus on that from an agency's perspective as well, try to get some semblance of a uh, found enterprise approach to your ISCM strategy, not the least of which will help a lot of the issues we've talked about today, right? Data quality comes easier. You're not integrating from 10 different data sources, not one. Um, you know, skill sets and training becomes a lot more streamlined. It has a lot of benefits, and it's one of those things that we've noticed time and time again that without that enterprise approach, things become complexities for both technical and non-technical reasons. Yeah, no doubt that, uh, you know, optimizing and simplifying uh, really sort of gains that efficiency. And you pointed out, uh, you know, buying it as a, acquiring it as a service, it's not only time to market, but it's just the, the manpower associated to that, right, uh, gets greatly reduced. And you can focus your attention on other things. So I really do appreciate those words of wisdom. Uh, Matt, how about at Tanium? Uh, can you give us the uh, top lesson learned? as you all have been out there in the ecosystem help, um, helping implement this capability? Top lessons learned is gonna be difficult, but I'll, I'll take one that's certainly, I think, most broadly applicable. I think most of our customers uh, and agencies that we work with on a daily basis recognized, like, like everybody else did, that when we went to a distributed workforce, many of the tooling and processes and procedures that we had in place just sort of fell over. There was a significant dependence on uh, sort of niche tools that did a single thing. And when we moved the perimeter of the enterprise out to the endpoint and we went over disadvantaged networks and we had a heavy reliance on VPN connectivity and uh, we were working to gain access to applications that previously were only internal to the corporate network, when all of those changes happened, uh, we saw a lot of those tools fall over. And so we went from a significant focus on tool reduction and uh, reducing any overlap between tooling. And now there's an additional focus, sort of a resurgence on finding tools that can do more than one thing and, and have some overlap. So that if a single utility or a single function falls over, uh, you have the capability in another tool so that you can fall back or recover in many ways. So I think that we over-rotated a little bit on, on reducing uh, individual functionality to single tools. And I think that um, we're seeing agencies today uh, circle back on that and, and recognizing the need to have functional tools that are, are capable in, in any type of distributed work environment. Functional, robust, and a little bit of redundancy. It's a great catch there and a good point, uh, lesson learned for all of us. Uh, all right, well, we're gonna, um, focus on the future here. And I want to start with you, Bruce, and uh, always like to uh, wrap this show up and talk about uh, paint a picture of the future, if you will. Tell us what it's going to look like in a couple of years as Palo Alto is pulling stuff out of the Petri dish, right? They've got it in early development. What's that demand signal that you all have been working on uh, that we can expect to see over the course of the next two to three years? Future is machine learning. It is, it has capability that lets us do things without a human in the loop that is extraordinary. Humans just don't have the scope of awareness to pull all these things together and operationalize them well at scale. 
and do it at low latency. That latency in disconnected solutions slows everything down and it frankly, it causes security challenges. We want to make sure that we are evolving to become more efficient. We want to reduce the mechanical entropy inside of us and subsequently inside of the agencies that use us. We're trying to make sure that we want to, that we are providing a solution that is designed to keep it simple, much like Matthew was talking about earlier. We want to keep things simple. We want to make sure that it doesn't become complex, that it, that it, that it is evolving towards efficiency and the graceful application of machine learning, the graceful application of automation, all of those things become components that contribute towards low detection times, low response times, and the efficiency of turning it into reality, making something actually happen. That is not easy to do. And so our focus over the next three years is gonna be taking those things that we've built and refining them, making them simple, keeping them scalable at cloud scale and letting the agencies that use us evolve along with us. I hope that makes sense. Refinement, automation, a big part of keeping, uh, keeping these networks safe and keeping our country safe. John, how about at MicroFocus? You described a lot of different things you all are working on. What can we expect to see over the next two to three years? We believe the realization that data is the key and the crown jewel for hackers will emphasize the protection of data beyond data in transit and at rest, but also ultimately data in use through data tokenization and pseudonymization. And, and that's the key. If the data is um, useless to hackers, then the cost of a breach for both the federal government, but also you know, uh, companies globally will diminish dramatic, dramatically. Yeah, you know, I, I used to always would say that uh, the bad guys are not trying to get into these environments to look around and see how cool they are. Uh, they're getting in there to get folk, to get access to the data, um, full stop. Matt, how about at Tanium? Uh, when, when we look around in a couple of years, uh, no doubt that you all are gonna have uh, uh, further developed and matured those environments into this sort of higher order activity that you're talking about. What can we expect to see at that point? I think at the end of the day, it really all just comes down to being able to paint a realistic and valid risk picture for decision makers at every different level. So uh, whether you're at the senior administrator level or you're an IT manager, everybody needs to understand what the, the risk picture is under their purview. So being able to verify and trust your data, being able to reveal and protect your sensitive data at rest, being able to ensure configuration compliance and patching at scale uh, without any, any additional risk due to gaps, uh, being able to enforce policy at scale and understand that all of the machines that you're responsible for are visible and managed appropriately, um, just ultimately being able to paint that risk picture that makes sense to the people that are using the data. I think that's really what it all boils down to. Yeah, yeah. So, so key is that uh, multi-level uh, ability to, to, to take action on various uh, uh, types of data and dashboards, et cetera. I'm looking forward to that. Gary, how about at Veterans Affairs? You talked about a lot of stuff as containerization. If I'm head of software development in three years, what's at VA, what's that gonna look like for me uh, as you've sort of rolled out this capability? Yeah, well, I really appreciate what uh, Matt just said. I mean, I think it is all about um, understanding the risks inherent within the systems to the finite level that needs to be understood at the particular tier that needs to understand it. Um, I'd say the predominant focus for the for the department 
just like many other departments, is encapsulating the vision that is outlined within the executive order 14028, um, which is really in implementing that ZTA, the multi-factor, the cloud, and ensuring that you have this holistic um, uh, capability uh, to understand risk, get that visibility that you need, ensure that cybersecurity has that seat at the table so that it's part of that decision-making process and the relevant leadership at the right levels are making those particular critical decisions they need to make. And that's all based on understanding your endpoints, you know, uh, uh, integrating the data, uh, protecting that data, ensuring that it has integrity. You know, the whole common set of things that uh, we, we normally just take for granted, but it really has to be part of this integrated effort that looks holistically and comprehensively at what we need to fundamentally achieve. And I think the EO is, is driving us towards that. Luckily, at the department, we've got the secretaries directly engaged in, in cybersecurity, as well as all the various tiers, and that has helped us immensely in, in ensuring that cybersecurity has that driving force behind it so that we can do what we need to do from that perspective. No question there's a, there's a, a level of uh, awareness at the, uh, at the senior levels of the uh, federal service, and that was uh, you know, done in, in a variety of means, including some... some uh, some um, OMB memorandums. Uh, when you talk about zero trust architecture, I'll put you on the spot here. And I know it's a journey, you know, how long do you think it takes to realize that fully? And, and, or do you ever realize that at Veterans Affairs? Uh, I, I know Palo Alto gave a, a timeline. We've heard of other companies. Is this a three-year journey, a five-year journey, a 10-year journey, a never-ending journey? Well, Luke, I'd say this is that um, I don't know that I'm prepared to provide a particular time frame for when we believe will be full up ZTA. Um, what we are doing is a, a thorough review of our full capability. We're looking at the NSA maturity model, the CISA model as well, figuring out where we are within that particular spectrum and then developing our comprehensive plan to get there. Uh, so I, don't, I wouldn't say three years, five years, but what I would say is that we have a lot of capability that is already um, inherent within what they would refer to as a ZTA architecture. Mm -hmm. So it's really looking at those components that we have, figuring out where those deltas are, and then figuring out what makes the most sense for us to deploy. Because I, I think there was a, a comment earlier that says, everybody wants to chase a tool. Well, sometimes it's not about chasing a tool. Sometimes it's simply about addressing the human element, ensuring that there's integration, that there's that visibility that you need. And so it's really a comprehensive approach holistically to, to address that ZTA perspective. But I would say we will get there um, I just can't give you, you know, a time frame that says, yep, in five years, we'll be there. But I would say with what we have put in place, um, you know, we're moving in that direction. And that's awesome. And a lot of this is about taking the tools you have and stitching them together in that architecture that you're describing there. I think that's going to be a, a big aha moment for a lot of folks. Jeremy, how about at OCC? Uh, what's it going to look like in a couple of years? Yeah, the uh, just just uh, you know agree with so many of the comments that have been put out there by the rest of the group. Automation is really key for us. Again, as a small agency, uh, you know the the, uh, the number of uh, threats that we're dealing with, the number of requirements, they grow much more much faster than we can ever hire to to answer that solution. Right? Like we we have to think about how we do more with the resources that we already have, and automation is a huge part of that. So we're looking across the board at all of our processes. How can we automate them? Uh, where, where can we gain efficiencies? And then also thinking about upskilling our workforce, right? Teach, making sure that our workforce has the right training on scripting languages and the different tool platforms uh, and being willing to invest in the, uh, the workforce to, to bring them up uh, and give them the right skills to ensure they know how to use the automation. 
Yeah, and I, and I really applaud you highlighting uh, the the uh, reaching out and, and leveraging these as a service capabilities. They're just you can't hire enough women and men uh, to to work your way out of this uh, this issue. You have to automate, et cetera. So appreciate that, Richard. Um, if you uh, if I'm sitting in a uh, in a planning meeting at at CISA, uh, and uh, we're talking about sort of the next evolution, you know, 3.0 of CDM. What does that look like? What, what are you expecting to do? What do you have in the, in the hopper over the next two and three years that you want to take down, assuming all these other things you're doing go swimmingly well? And no question, they're gonna. They have been in the past. There's no reason to think they won't. What's over the horizon? So there's a, a term that, uh, that Bruce used that I kind of want to use here, and that was latency, right? Um, but not latency necessarily in technologies and tools, but latencies in people and processes across our enterprise, the federal enterprise, right? We have to figure out a way to mount a singular defense and not a hundred plus different lines of defense, right? We got to get faster. We have to be able to collaborate more effectively. We need to be able to mount a collective defense model, right? Because when we're fragmented, both in technology tools and processes, it takes us way too long to organize a a pernicious threat that doesn't doesn't care about agency borders, right? They don't care of popping one agency. They're they're looking to hit as many places as possible, and so we have to have a cohesive strategy to deal with that type of, a, of an attack. And and right now uh, we're not at a point where we can say yes, I can coordinate amongst 102 different CISOs or different agency leaderships and mount a cohesive uh, response, right? And so. You know, to, to your point, Luke, I think over the next several years, and I think the EO sets us up well for this, we have to figure out a way to, to operate at people at, at the speed at which we're being attacked. And that's a huge thing for CISA. So uh, that, that's first in my mind, you know, to use a, a hopefully a euphemism that's too, too not far removed from the Olympics. Like this has to be a relay race and not 100 meter sprints, right? These have to be things where CISA can look at things. Uh, I'd help identify risks proactively, hand them off to agencies so they can go deal with the threat in a much more expeditious manner than we've ever done in the past. Um, hopefully the solar winds is kind of a, a, uh, a wake up call to something like that. Um, and so that's it, the people in processes, everything the other guests have said was also true, right? We have to have the right tools. They have to be trained up. They have to be operationalized. Um, they have to be stable. Uh, but also let's not forget about the, the people in processes as well. Yeah. And you talked about a relay race. You know, I go back to OPM and that breach, right? We learned a lot from that across the interagency, instilled a lot of capability, then solar winds, uh, more so now the executive order. So you keep handing that baton across and keep raising the level of maturity on that coordination, that sort of one government coordination effort, uh, super important. Well, I really do appreciate uh, all that you all do uh, on behalf of protecting this country. And I'd like to thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedules to join us on the program. I'd also like to thank the sponsors for supporting us on this show. I'd like to thank the good people here at Federal News Network that make our program so successful and enjoyable. And most of all, I'd like to thank you, the listening audience out there that tune in every month. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. Thank you for listening to the Federal Executive Forum series on Federal News Network. This show was produced by Treza Media Group. If you missed any portion of this show, you can listen to the show in its entirety and on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com.